coaching against a record. Let's rewind December back a bit. It was December 13th and Washington forward Alex Ovechkin's hat trick to reach 800 career goal game against Chicago that at the rate Chicago has been scored against this year should surprise no one, hockey knowledgeable or not. Divisionally, it's an approximately 25% chance Ovechkin breaks the record versus a Central Division team roughly. It's actually lower percentage because Washington's an Eastern Conference team and really plays more games in their own conference and only two per team versus the West. Let's say I wasn't about to figure out the actual percentage it would be because teams don't play teams equally on the NHL schedule. The next game after Chicago, Dallas coach Pete DeBoer told his players Washington players would jump off the bench to celebrate the next two goals Ovi scored. Dallas goalie Jake Oninger put together a 45-save performance in a Dallas 2-1 win with an Ovi free goal effort. The celebration would have to wait. To me, that was, to DeBoer's credit, a coaching win moment. Washington's next three versus Eastern Conference teams, Ovi collects three assists but no goals. That leads up to a Winnipeg's game in Washington. The record to tie and pass Gordie Hell for second most NHL goals still waiting. Winnipeg didn't stop Ovi. There was definitely a depleted group Winnipeg who may in fact now share injury man games lost to Colorado divisionally as becoming extreme in this season. Both Winnipeg and Washington played the night before. Both required travel. Washington home after playing in Ottawa. Winnipeg traveling from Boston to Washington to play. I didn't look up the miles, but it seemed to me to be fairly even circumstances. Take away that built-in excuse. Now, because it was the game before the break, I would have advocated for Winnipeg playing Connor Hellebuck back-to-back. Although the Boston game required Hellebuck to face 39 shots on goal against that top-tier team. Then you might want to remember Winnipeg backup goalie David Riddick played at home on Tuesday versus Ottawa because Hellebuck was feeling under the weather. Therefore, in a week he was sick and a heavy workload game, Winnipeg might have opted not to use Hellebuck because they knew he wasn't fully up to it yet. Only the coaching staff players and team know that. However, I just don't want to say it was automatic. They should have put Helly in net on both games either. Ovechkin in the first gets the Howe record-tying goal on Winnipeg goalie Riddick, and with 20 minutes left, we're up 2-0 on Winnipeg. It's not a hidden fact that I reside in Winnipeg, but I certainly lose Jets fan points with this omission. Division game Nashville and Colorado was on, and after the second I switched from the Washington-Winnipeg game for two, not one, periods of that division contest because if Ovi's record goal comes against 23 other NHL teams, we probably don't have this segment at all. It has to happen versus one of the Central Division 8 teams, our focus teams, to be topical for this podcast as it did occur point is, I'm not much of a homer to admit that a division head-to-head is more relevant than Winnipeg playing an Eastern Conference team is, record-chasing or not. I'm definitely not here for individual NHL moments generally anyways. I don't worry about the NHL awards, less and less focus on the All-Star Games, but I do focus on the teams and the chase for the Stanley Cup. 
What did occur to me was a coach decision moment would potentially arrive for Winnipeg coach Rick Bonus as I switched games after the second period. I was on the phone with my mom, and as I switched games, I said that one thing I know I didn't want to see was the record OV goal, especially scored into an empty net. Here's what, as a non-hockey coach, I would have done in the second intermission if I was Winnipeg's coach. I would have, after the players did their thing, gone in and told them they were going to have to win the game five on five. Regardless if the team was down one or two goals late, they would have been told that if that record OV goal was going to be scored on Winnipeg, it would be with a goalie in the net. And yes, if Winnipeg lost by a goal, not pulled Riddick, I would say the exact same thing in the loss post-game media presser, and I would basically take the fall instead of the players for not pulling the goalie, which is a coach's decision. All I would hope for is a spirited final 20 before the break with the available players Winnipeg had that knew the game plan included not pulling the goalie to get it to extra time or to get a win. Now, Ovi did get 802 into an empty net. And I haven't listened to any of the post game, but that includes Winnipeg coach Rick Bonus on whether anyone asked him if he thought keeping the goalie in the net all game was a worthwhile option. Winnipeg coach Bonus didn't. And the record goal was an empty netter. And I'm happy I just saw the highlights while Colorado and Nashville battled for important points that affect the division more so. Truthfully, Winnipeg losing by two or three isn't about the goaltending at all. Winnipeg didn't score enough to win the game. But I'd have coached against a record goal being an empty net one. Interested in a couple of years when Ovi nears Gretzky's mark, if health permits. But I just kind of wanted to put this out into the NHL coach universe prior to it. Leave the goalies in net for that record-breaking one next time. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. The Christmas break affords a full stop point to put up on all-in-one 18 podcast. However, I like the division pairings for two-team breakdown that I'm still going to keep that format in this Central Division full podcast as well. Under the separated pairings, the pod drop means we have more games to catch up on Dallas and Winnipeg because they drop first, but by the time we get to Arizona and Chicago, it's only the last game prior to the break. The idea was to avoid having duplication of game recaps. However, one division game covered in the healthy scratch pairing between Nashville and Chicago, I decided to just re-include in Nashville segment because, well, Nashville fans listening to that 
Arizona and Chicago segment, probably didn't realize it was covered and probably didn't listen to it. The top pairing is Dallas and Winnipeg, and Dallas, with all due respect, isn't running away with the division. Dallas's current point percentage this year versus the division top three final standings of a year ago would divisionally rank Dallas fourth. And it isn't explained by, say, Arizona and Chicago underachieving, especially either this year. Chicago's point percentage is lower than a year ago, last place Arizona's was. But Arizona's current point percentage in seventh is better than Chicago finishing seventh a year ago was. This year's point percentages are all lower for where a team standing-wise, one through seven divisionally, was a year ago. One reason could be that the Pacific Division is more competitive, or maybe it's true the Eastern Conference is winning more often to explain this. Likely, the difference without wasting time researching it would be to say it's probably a combination of both those things. And really, the parity in the NHL is a thing. Take Winnipeg's a loss to Washington in regulation. That night, they were the only division team not to get at least a point besides Minnesota, who didn't play. Colorado, Dallas, Chicago, and Arizona had two points, and the latter two teams aren't in a playoff race. Nashville and St. Louis found a way to get one point by forcing games to extra time. It's to say teams are at most switching spots within the team pairings since we went to that format. And for the last three podcasts, what hasn't happened is the creation of a new pairing either. That's the NHL parity at full value on display. In fact, the goal differential with each pairing is within three goals difference with each pair except the healthy scratch pair, and they are the division's lowest two teams, but Chicago is just exceptionally worse. Dallas' goal differential is plus 26, and Winnipeg's plus 23. We start with the division-leading stars. Dallas is 29-6, and 6, 46 points, 657 point percentage, first in the division in 35 games played at the break. Three points up on Winnipeg and one more game played. Mathematically, you instantly say they are first place, as Winnipeg's games in hand wouldn't catch them. That's true. However, Colorado has three games in hand, and they mathematically now, if they had all wins, could tie Dallas for first. All of that, of course, as it varies until we reach the full 82, means Dallas will play again before Colorado makes up those three games in hand, and the math then changes again off the new results. Simply, right now, by both points and point percentage, Dallas is tops divisionally. Dallas went 2-1-0 since our last podcast, scoreless first between Dallas and Columbus. 55 seconds into the second, Dallas get the lone goal by rookie Wyatt Johnson, net front, backhander, off a big rebound, 1-0 Dallas after two. Game stays that score till Dallas get a Jason Robertson empty net goal with 107 left in the third. Columbus, 6-on-5 with 15 seconds left in regulation, spoiled. Dallas goalie Jake Odinger's shutout bid. Dallas get a 2-1 road win in Columbus. Dallas's Ropey Hintz's one-timer open scoring with 5-11 left in the first. Edmonton's Matthias Janmark and former star ties it a minute, six seconds after, 1-0 after one. Stop point blank with under two minutes to go in the first. It takes Dallas's Wyatt Johnson 27 seconds into the second off the rush for a far side shelf goal. Two 
minutes, nine seconds after an Edmonton power play goal and a minute 42 to the game's midpoint, Edmonton take their first lead. 2.04 left, a Dallas power play goal on Tyler Sagan's deflection makes it 3-all through the middle frame. In the back half of the third, Edmonton score three goals. The last, Edmonton's Yan marks second into an empty net as Edmonton get a 6-3 road win in Dallas. Montreal score on the power play 404 into the first off a stretch pass to be up one nothing after one 224 into the second Montreal on a two on one keep goal off another stretch pass extend the lead Dallas's rope hints net front tip power play goal with 441 left in the middle frame cuts Montreal's lead to two one through 40 another Dallas power play goal hints tip goal 227 into the third ties the game five minutes left in regulation Dallas's Wyatt Johnson, the late trailer, gets his own rebound to score his 10th of the year. Dallas's Yoel Kiviranta adds an empty net goal. Dallas win at home 4-2. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share the positives for Dallas's top spot. Net worth. Starter Jake Ottinger's 14-5-3 record, 2.45 goals against average, .919 save percentage, two shutouts, and a goal saved above expected. Money puck data for all the goalies in the podcast, 6.0 to rank 15th in the NHL. And that's the upper half of NHL keepers. Backup Scott Wedgwood is third in goal saved above expected of division backups at 4.1. It even ranks higher than three division starting goalies. Cornerstone D requirement Miro Haskin in five goals, 25 points in 32 games played, is a .78 point per game player with a 25-15 average time on ice per game. Red light specialist Jason Robertson's team leading 24 goals is eight more than linemate Rope Hints, who is 16, is second on the team. How about the 1.43 points per game, 50 points in 35 games played for the clutch 23-year-old Robertson? The vet driver Dallas color analyst Daryl Ray coined Benessance, Jamie Ben, 32 points in 35 games played, 13 of which are goals third in goals on the team provides secondary scoring again in his career yes joe pavelski who has a point more could be included however ben's turnaround year was the less expected of the two contributors rookie standout 19 year old still junior age eligible wyatt johnson was the fifth player to reach double digits on dallas and goals 10 goals 15 points in 35 games played that was secondary scoring anticipated i don't know two years from now not this season defensive underappreciated d Essel lindell with 10 points lindell is tied for second of the d group in points However, more importantly, at two seconds shy of 20 minutes average time on ice, his plus minus plus 18 is plus four better than the lowest time on ice average minute defenseman, Colin Miller of the D group. Lindell is double or better than everyone else on the Dallas D group after that. Organizational under-the-radar player, 22-year-old, still waiver-exempt, Ty Delandria's 14 points in 35 games played, five of which are goals, was a 2018 Dallas first-round pick. 
the year after the 2017 that currently gets all the love draft and well three players who most impact this team all came from that draft class so it's valid however it's another now everyday nhler dallas has drafted and developed in the 23 and under not yet prime age contributors with delandria Overview, back check of 2022, and forecheck prediction for 2023. Coach Pete DeBoer's job was to find Dallas's team offense. Dallas has, with good health, scored a Western Conference best 125 goals for this year. Might surprise you, but that's more than DeBoer's old team, Vegas, and they're 122, and Dallas has one fewer game played. The division's current best goal differential also means it hasn't come at the expense of defense in Dallas. Dallas is top five in the NHL in goals for, power play percentage, and on the PK. The goals against is still in the NHL's top 10. Dallas, with near to as optimal health as an NHL team could hope for, still isn't running away with the division. Dallas looks like a 650 to 700 point percentage team that it is. If that point percentage can top the division as it currently is, Dallas could finish first. There are three other division teams that could push the Dallas pace car into needing to be over 700 point percentage with more than half the regular season to go. Dallas is a top three division team at this year's end. They still will face adversity yet, and I want to see Dallas in that stretch of games, and I'm not ready to say Dallas, as good as they have optimally have been this year so far, cross the finish line with the division crown. Dallas's division had a record 6-2-3. and three. Dallas has two division road games Tuesday in Nashville, Thursday in Minnesota, and return home to play Pacific Division San Jose Saturday. Winnipeg take a two-game winless streak into the Christmas break, 2-1-0 since our last pod to be second in the division. 21-12-143 points in 34 games played, 632 point percentage, three points back of Dallas with only one game in hand, three points up on Colorado, the Avs with two games in hand, and Minnesota, the Wild with one game in hand. Winnipeg's Kevin Stenland knocks a rebound net front out of the air for his first of the year, 158 into the game. Winnipeg defenseman Josh Morrissey's goal, two seconds to seven minutes in far side from the circle, a minute and a half after Ottawa gets their only goal on the power play. Winnipeg's Sam Gagne with 13 seconds left in the period scores on a delayed penalty for a 3-1 Winnipeg lead after 20. 102 into the second, Winnipeg's Morrissey slot pass net side to Kyle Connor for him to score from the low circle into an empty cage. 423 past the game's midpoint, Winnipeg's Connor second of the frame puts Winnipeg up 5-1 through 40. A scoreless third makes it a home Winnipeg win final 5-1 score. Winnipeg's Mark Shifley finishes off net front Two seconds to two minutes into the first as Winnipeg opens scoring Shifley's 20th of the year. Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey's point shot goes off of Jansen Harkins and in 240 into the first midpoint. Winnipeg take a 2-0 lead in Boston after one, including Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellbuck's glove save on Boston's David Pasternak's breakaway. 2-8 past the game's midpoint. Boston get the first of two goals in the middle frame off a crazy bounce off the backboard stanchion right to the slot 
and Pasternak was there to put it away. The second, a power play goal with five minutes left in the second. Two all after two. Boston get the lone third period goal with 8.52 left in the third to remain undefeated in regulation at home in a 3-2 home win over Winnipeg. Washington's Ovechkin's off the rush with 1.22 left goal in the first open scoring and a 1-0 lead after 20. 2.46 past the game's midpoint as a Washington power play expires. They score 2-0 Washington through 40. 3.49 into the third, a given goal goal extends Washington's lead. A second to the third's midpoint net front rebound goal by Winnipeg's Kevin Stenland cuts into the Washington lead, leading up to Washington's 8.02 career goal into an empty net by Ovechkin and a Washington 4-1 home win. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share the positives for Winnipeg's second spot. Net worth starter Connor Hellebuck is 16-8-1 record-wise. 2.36 goals against average, 0.928 save percentage, three shutouts, goal save above expected, ranks fourth in the NHL at 16.8. That's 0.2% off of the goalie with the division's best rank in that category. Winnipeg's success doesn't come without this type of campaign from Helly. Cornerstone D requirement, Josh Norsey. Morrissey leads Winnipeg in points, 39 in 34 games played, including 33 assists, equal to San Jose's Eric Carlson for the NHL's most. Not that San Jose's broadcast crew are aware. Carlson needed one extra game played to be equal to that total as well. JMO average time on ice is 23-26 this year to lead Winnipeg's D group. Red light specialist, while tied for second currently, Kyle Connors' 15 is equal to Pierre-Luc Dubois, and at 38 points and 37 points respectfully, that duel with Morrissey are Winnipeg's above point-per-game players. Vet driver, the completion of the scholar Scheifship. At 29, Mark Scheifele is a vet, and with 20 goals, he leads Winnipeg. 28 points in 34 games played, and it isn't the offensive goal production. The off-dub student of the game applied a focus to be a better two-way player and without the puck, while still at a 21.5 team-best shooting percentage. His defensive improvements haven't come at expense of his offensive output while doing so. Rookie standout, Billy, no, I mean Cole Perfetti, that first-class pod co-host Warren Smith has dubbed Platter Perfetti. The 20-year-old rookie has 20 points in 33 games played, 14 apples. That mirrors former captain Blake Wheeler's assist-to-goal ratio. While it's not quite top six point production yet, without Perfetti's contribution, Winnipeg might not have as many wins. Defensive, underappreciated D, In all honesty, it's Josh Norrissey. He's the Jets' best offensive defenseman and still defensively the team's best. At plus 15 plus minus, the next closest is Dylan DeMello at plus 8. How much of DeMello's is as the default D-man getting to play most with J-Mo? A top pair shutdown right-hand D for Winnipeg is what Winnipeg needed for Christmas. 
three years running. Organizational under-the-radar player Adam Lowry. The all-situational third line center has had a revolving door of line mates on the wing all year. 20 points, 7 goals, and 34 games played is bottom six value. That includes two short-handed goals. You can put Laos out against the other team's best players, and he now simply drives whoever his wingers are, essentially making them better. Whether it's injured Mason Appleton, Saku Menelainen, was injured for a time Morgan Barron, Jansen Harkins, Lau's consistency is there, and if someone needs to step up to fight to keep the opposition honest, Lowry will take on the other team's biggest SOB and show while doing so. Over back check of 2022 and forecheck prediction for 2023, overachievement on the bucks of Hellebuck, the defensive structure of head coach Rick Bonus, despite a required use of organizational depth, has Winnipeg three points back of first in the division and three points up on a pair of good division teams trying to catch them. At plus 23 goal differential, it's only plus three less than Dallas. Winnipeg is showing well. However, Winnipeg limped into the break a 500 point percentage team over the last 10 games played that's worrisome as four other division teams were better over that same stretch and if you haven't paid attention the division is heartless when it comes to allowing any room for error winnipeg is most likely a playoff caliber team under bonus this year they won't win the central division and how they continue to handle injuries and adversity will determine if they slot as high as second or end up finishing in a wild card spot both of those are real possibilities winnipeg's fans need not to wish for divisional rivals not to win games but instead see winnipeg win the games they have to play winnipeg can't lose to teams likely that miss the playoffs and need points versus teams that will be playoff bound winnipeg division head-to-head record 11-2-0 winnipeg is home for two first two division minnesota tuesday then host vancouver thursday then go on the road to play another pacific division team edmonton new year's eve Pacific Division comparative top pairing, Vegas and Seattle. Vegas's 49 points in 36 games played continues to be the Western Conference's best 681 point percentage. Vegas three points up on Dallas for the best conference record, having one more game played. Like last podcast, LA entered the break with more points than Seattle. I still consider the four-point back with five games in hand Seattle as the Pacific Division's second-spot team. Seattle with a 625-point percentage mark comparative to LA's at 595-point percentage is why I would say that. As we move to the Central Division's second pairing, Seattle's point percentage is equal to Colorado's. Winnipeg's point percentage ranks third in the Western Conference at the Christmas break. The two hottest Central Division teams heading into the break are Minnesota and Colorado. In Minnesota's final game before the break, the Wilds saw their six-game win streak snapped, one that was all regulation wins. Minnesota still has, record-wise, the best mark in the last 10 games played. Colorado's current four-game win streak after Minnesota's loss takes over as the division's best at present. Say what you want, but if you want to win big on a sleeper bet to win the division and get some odds, it's likely Minnesota that would provide both. It's not a lock, as one area with the Wild is more concerning of the four that likely will compete for the division title this spring. It's still, when the other team's odds are more heavily favored to succeed, a sneaky good wager until odds makers potentially 
even it out early in 2023. The second pairing is Colorado and Minnesota. Colorado hold a slight goal differential advantage over Minnesota. Colorado's plus 12, Minnesota's plus 11. The Division II have switched standing spots over the last couple pods and entered the Christmas break both with 40 points, but Minnesota having played an extra game played. We start with the defending Stanley Cup champion, Avs. Colorado continued 2-0-0 since our last look as Colorado piece a four-game win streak into the break. 19-11-2, 40 points in 32 games played, 6.25 point percentage, and switched because of having one game in hand on Minnesota and the same point total back into third in the division. Montreal score first, 148 on a breakaway to have a 1-0 lead after one. A scoreless middle frame, 216 into the third, Colorado and four former Canadian Arturi Lekkonen's high slot wrister power play goal ties it. It stays that way until extra time. Takes 151 in overtime for Colorado's Miko Rantanen's goal on a two-on-one that ends it after a stellar save by Colorado goalie Alexander Gorgiev as Colorado win at home 2-1 in overtime over Montreal. Nashville's Ryan Johansson's power play rebound goal 226 past the first midpoint open scoring. Nashville up 1-0 after 1. Nashville's Matt Deshane's net front roof goal 338 to the game's midpoint puts the Preds up 2. Colorado's Miko Rantanen short side shelf goal for his team leading 23rd of the year with 714 left in the middle frame makes it 2-1 Nashville through 40. Colorado's JT Conference net front tip with 455 left in the third ties it up at 2. 43 seconds left in the five-minute overtime. Colorado's and former Nashville draft pick Sam Girard finishes off a no-look Evan Rodriguez pass on a two-on-one for Colorado to get the 3-2 overtime road win in Nashville. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share the positives for Colorado's third division spot. Net worth Colorado starter Alexander Gorgiev has a 15-6-2 record, a 2.36 goals against average and a .925 save percentage with two shutouts. He sits ninth in the top 10 in the NHL with a 9.9 goal saves above expected metric. While backup Pavel Francouz also below three goals against average and over nine save percentage, his win-loss record is 4-5-0 and his goal save above expected at a 0.6 is the third lowest of division backup keepers. Cornerstone D requirement, last year's Norris winner Kale McCarr has 29 points in 32 games played this year, including seven goals, to lead Colorado's D group offensively this year again. McCarr is a workhorse especially. The 24-year-old average time on ice per game is currently at 27 minutes, 12 seconds. Red light specialist Miko Rantanen, Colorado's lone 20-goal scorer to this point of the season with 23 is especially noteworthy considering it's Arturi Lekkonen with nine goals who is second on the team. Rantanen's 42 points in 32 games played leads Colorado in points. Rantanen's pace also hasn't slowed with linemate Nathan McKinnon out when both were equally point-wise a duo threat to pace Colorado's offense. Vet driver, 
J.T. Confer is ideally a third-line center or winger. At 27, because of injuries, he has done well being asked to take on a bigger role. Well, only 17 points in 32 games played, just over half-point production. Five-on-five, Confer is a full two minutes average time on ice more than any prior season to this year, and his average time on ice, with special teams time included, is 19.51 per game. Rookie standout, unfortunately, because he isn't healthy, it is still injured defenseman Bo Byram. The 21-year-old's five points in 10 games played was half-point production and really second-pair average time on ice at 20:47 this year. Take a healthy rookie forward Ben Myers' one goal in 24 games played as a comparison. Byram's impact offensively is missed, and he was playing top four D minutes. Defensive, underappreciated D, 34-year-old vet Eric Johnson. He doesn't put up the points he used to, but he quietly is defending soundly while letting all the other 5D regulars get more of the spotlight in Colorado these days if they were all healthy especially. However, he can play max bottom pair NHL minutes. Average time on ice is 17.30 per game this year. That's kind of that ideal bottom pair max value. And he still has top four playable value for that reason. While he only has six assists in 32 games played, EJ at plus 10, plus minus, leads the Avs. Organizational under-the-radar player, Logan O'Connor, was a fourth-line player on the Cup winner, but injuries have had him play top nine all the time. At 10 points, five goals in 32 games played that's half point production that will likely have o'connor in double digit goals by season's end and good bottom six value at 15 16 average time on ice and his value to the penalty kill including a shorthanded goal this year is part of colorado's organizational depth required this season while they battle through the injuries Overview, back check of 2022, and forecheck prediction for 2023. The common belief is Colorado will find a way to get back to full health and then go on a tear that at full health is a pretty safe bet possible to do. Will Colorado ever be at full health? And when altogether will they be is a big question. What has been true is Colorado is staying in the mix of teams that still can compete to be playoff bound. Colorado's division head-to-head record, 8-2-1. Colorado returned to play with a division game Tuesday in Arizona, return home to face Pacific Division LA Thursday, and New Year's Eve Saturday, Colorado hosts Toronto. Minnesota's win streak ends at six games with a loss before the break, 1-1-0 since our last look. 19-12-240 points equal to Colorado in 33 games played, one more than Colorado. 606 point percentage to be fourth in the division. A scoreless first between Minnesota and Anaheim, 5-48 into the second. Anaheim open scoring on a 4-on-4 breakaway. 3-37 left in the middle frame. Minnesota's Connor Dewar ties it as he spins and fires from near the blue line. One all through 40. In the third, Minnesota's Matt Boldy from the center slot goes short side glove. 14 seconds to the 5-minute mark. 
Minnesota's Joel Erickson Eck tips Kalen Addison's point shot for a power play goal, a minute six seconds to the third's midpoint. Minnesota's Ryan Hartman adds an empty net goal for Minnesota to take a 4-1 road win in Anaheim. San Jose score 44 seconds into the game. Minnesota's Joel Erickson Eck goes five hole on a flip pass for a breakaway to tie it in the back half of back-to-back game sets for Minnesota. A minute 37 seconds past the first midpoint, San Jose get a rebound goal to lead 2-1 after 1. 2.47 past the game's midpoint, San Jose get a power play goal on a 5-minute kneeing penalty and game misconduct given to Minnesota's Mason Shaw. 2.41 left in the second, San Jose get another goal just as the Shaw penalty expires. By the way, he received a suspension as well, additionally. Minnesota's Matt Zuccarello scores with 6 seconds left in the middle frame, while Matt Boldy is dumped into San Jose goalie James Reimer by San Jose defenseman Mario Ferraro. It's called a good goal immediately by the refs and it's the right call 4-2 San Jose through 40 San Jose add an empty net power play goal for the lone tally in the third and San Jose win 5-2 surprisingly at home over Minnesota tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share the positives for Minnesota's fourth spot Net worth starter Marc-Andre Fleury is 12-7-1 with a 2.85 goals against average, 901 save percentage, one shutout, and a goal saved above expected, 0.6. That puts him sixth of the division's starting goalies, but whereas fifth-ranked Dallas goalie Jake Oninger is 15th overall in the NHL, Flower sits 44th by comparison for some perspective. Backup Philip Gustafson is 7-5-1 with a 2.44 goals against average, 9-16 save percentage, one shutout. And at a goal saved above expected 4.4, he ranks second of the division backups. And while having played a third fewer games played than Flurry, he has a better metric. Cornerstone D requirement. While not leading Minnesota D in points, Captain Jared Spurgeon is two points shy of having the most. The 33-year-old rear guard's 14 points is in 21 minutes, 11 seconds time on ice. That's second only to Jonas Brodeen per game. Notably, what Spurgeon has, in addition to all this, is a team best plus 14 plus minus that demonstrates Spurgeon is Minnesota's best all-around defenseman. Red light specialist, 19 goals in 33 games played with 43 points. Yes, Kirill Kaprizov leads the Wild again this year as Minnesota's now proven dynamic game breaker. At 25, he has just entered his prime years. Vet driver, Kaprizov line mate, Matt Zuccarello, is Minnesota's other over point per game player. 37 points in 33 games played with 15 goals. That puts him second in goals. For, as I mentioned last podcast, a career assist playmaker. At 35, Zuccarello is now showing more team leadership, leading by example while filling in the goal production void created by Fiala's required trade. Rookie standout defenseman Kalen Addison has played all but one of the Wilds games this season. He, with 16 points in 32 games played, leads Minnesota defenseman in offensive production. He is getting power play time, and that's helped Minnesota improve that team metric this year, but he is still playing bottom pair minutes at 5-on-5 as the rookie still needs to develop his defensive side of the game. Defensive underappreciated D, Matt Dumba. 
nine points in 33 games played, and third in average time on ice. The 28-year-old does, within knowledgeable Minnesota fans, has a bit of a feel of being an afterthought at times. Spurgeon, Brodeen, and now Dallas star Ryan Suter were always more mentioned, more talked about. Dumba has offensive upside, like Spurgeon, decent D and puck moving and skating skills, and a grittiness to his game that lately is attributed to more so Jacob Middleton. Dumba is a unique blend of being good at what the other Minnesota D group players are most noted for, but as one package player. Organizational under-the-radar player Connor Dewar is a fourth liner with 11 minutes, 18 seconds in average time on ice per game. That includes killing penalties, 11 points, 5 goals in 32 games played, and 3 shorthanded goals to lead Minnesota, a draft-and-developed Minnesota organizational depth player that is now an everyday NHL bottom six player. Overview, back check of 2022, and forecheck prediction for 2023. When you look at the area Minnesota seen behind the three division teams they likely compete in the second half for the Central Division title with, the other three starting goalies all seem to be performing at a higher level. However, from the backup spot, Minnesota is getting just as good, if not better, results by comparison at that look. The game load management of Flurry and Gustafson may be the key to second-half success as the NHL nears it for all the teams, including Minnesota. One thing, even with the individual goalie stats, Minnesota still allowed four fewer goals against than division leading Dallas. What is starting to come together finally is the goal-scoring by committee model. Minnesota, over the last two seasons, under coach Dean Evason, has always made them a top-three division team. At 106 goals for, they rank third in the division at the break, only behind Dallas and Winnipeg. The sustainability for Minnesota to do well could simply be slightly better goaltending and a continued uptick in goal-scoring that is a pretty realistic expectation. If Minnesota were to add a top six center that fits into the team, well, I think they could in good health be the sleeper team to win the Central Division. Over the last 10 games going into the Christmas break, Minnesota was the best division team and just had Ryan Hartman return to the lineup. Minnesota's division head-to-head record is 5-2-0. Minnesota comes out of the break with three division games in a row, beginning in Winnipeg Tuesday, at home to Dallas Thursday, then in St. Louis on New Year's Eve Saturday. What does an 8-2-0 record in the division look like instead of a 5-5-0-1? You don't have to point out the obvious importance Minnesota will put on this set of games out of the break. Pacific Division comparable second pairing, LA and Calgary. LA with 44 points has the Western Conference most games played at 37. LA is four points up on Seattle, but having five more games played. LA's point percentage is a 595 point percentage, and that's below both Colorado and Minnesota. Why I decided to move them into this pairing. However, it would be point percentage wise slot LA into the Pacific Division top three, not factoring into needing to get into the wild card playoff spots. Calgary's 39 points in 35 games played is a point up of Edmonton's 38 points with the same games played. 
Calgary at present then would slot into the Western Conference second wildcard spot. As both Central Division teams by point percentage in the three and four standing spots, Colorado and Minnesota, boast better point percentage than the point percentage three and four Pacific comparables, it puts the fourth Central Division team into the first wildcard spot. If I were to do the Pacific Division like I do the Central Division pairings, it just doesn't work out the same. Edmonton's a point back at Calgary, and they're the next non-playoff spot team that's out in the Western Conference. Yet Edmonton, when we get to the Central Division bottom pairing next, point-wise, while below Colorado and Minnesota, are way closer to a playoff spot than St. Louis and Nashville are. This is Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. The five, six spots aren't generally celebrated by their fan bases. It really isn't where St. Louis and Nashville as organizations expected to be. Hovering around 500 point percentage in the NHL is two things. Not being good enough to make the playoffs, nor bad enough to win the draft lottery. It's essentially the worst spot to be in. Still, as we follow this podcast format for the unexpected underachievers St. Louis and Nashville and the expected underachievers Arizona and Chicago after, just think back to each of the individual category players I noted. What you start to find with the teams outside looking in is they don't have players that fit all those parts that show in a way why they aren't doing better. It still will also showcase some individual standouts on division teams that collectively aren't all doing so to be higher in the standings. The bottom pairing is St. Louis and Nashville. St. Louis in one more game played is a point ahead of Nashville. St. Louis are six points back of Minnesota and Colorado having one or two more games played. You quickly think, what's a three-game win streak to close the gap? That's not hard. St. Louis has gone more than double that in a streak this year. In the last 10, St. Louis was 5-3-2. and two. Here's the reality check. They gained two points only on Winnipeg, much higher in the standings than the two closest division teams in points. St. Louis is close to catching, while losing ground to four other division teams above the Blues in the standings. Nashville's last 10 record was only better than Chicago's. Nashville isn't gaining ground divisionally of late on anyone. St. Louis has a minus 19 goal differential and Nashville is minus 16. That keeps the within three goal differential in the pairings I talked about off the top. We start with the blue notes. St. Louis picked up a loser point in its last game before the break to remain 500 point percentage at 16, 16, 2, 34 points in 34 games played. St. Louis stay fifth in the Central Division. At 124 goals against, St. Louis has allowed the most in the division, although division last place Chicago in two fewer games played is at 122 goals against. Vegas and former blue captain Alex Petrangelo goes from the blue line to the paint to bury a lifted backhander to open scoring and a Vegas 1-0 lead after one. 39 seconds into the second, St. Louis's Pavel Bushnevich in the center slot ties it. Vegas tap a puck in the blue paint 31 seconds to five minutes into the middle frame. St. Louis's Vladimir Tarasenko's power play one-timer goal one minute 48 seconds after and Justin Falk's goal off a Vegas player and in two minutes later has St. Louis up. 
Vegas with a minute 26 seconds left in the second, tied at three all through 40. St. Louis, Noel Achari, net front tip goal, 45 seconds past the third's midpoint, gives St. Louis a lead. Six on four with 126 left, Vegas force overtime and win 5-4 at home in a shootout. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share what positives we can find for St. Louis's fifth spot. Net worst starting goaltender Jordan Bennington is 12-11-2 with a 3-1-4 goals against average and an 8.96 save percentage to shutouts. Benner's goal saved above expected is minus 1.5. The negative marks are worse than the positives to rank 47th in the NHL. Backup Thomas Grice. 4-5-0 has a minus 2.2 goal save above expected mark. St. Louis gives up a lot defensively. The goalies aren't preventing those high danger chances from being goals against. Cornerstone D requirement. 30-year-old Justin Falks, 19 points in 34 games played, lead St. Louis. Falks' average time on ice this year is only 10 seconds shy of Colton Pareko's 23-25. Falks at 23 15 per game. The Falk Tory Krug pairing isn't St. Louis's shutdown pair, but they have produced more offense, probably due to better matchups. Trouble is, if everything's going good, this is where we should be talking about Pareko. Red light specialist listed as day to day upper body injury, Jordan Cairo, prior to injury, was finding the back of the net to lead St. Louis with 16 goals, 32 points, in 31 games played. Vet driver Vladimir Tarasenko's 10 goals, 28 points in 32 games played, just shy of point-per-game production, sits third in goals and points on the team and is one of three double-digit goal scorers so far for St. Louis. The pending unrestricted free agent, 31-year-old, who led the team in points a year ago, is displaying his game-breaking ability again regularly. His two-way defensive play is also way undervalued. Rookie standout, now returned to the AHL, 20-year-old Jake Neighbors, who did get his first NHL goal, is who we should be talking about as an NHL top nine regular. We are not, and we don't have a replacement in his spot. Also, Alexei Torpachenko played three games over the 25 cutoff to not qualify as a rookie this year. Defensive underappreciated D. Robert Bertuzzo. The 33-year-old vet is a low-minute bottom pair D. He is excellent on the penalty kill especially, and he is one blue you don't want to have a fight with because he's tough as nails. He's under a million salary this year, and next is also why he has value even with those low minutes. Organizational under-the-radar player, goalie Joe Hofer. He's playing in the AHL this year with an 8-8-4 record, which doesn't jump off the page in one shutout. But his 2.38 goals against average and 9.23 save percentage are great underlying stats. He played two games on an emergency basis last year and went 1-1-0. The 22-year-old didn't look out of place in the NHL. His development is probably better not playing with the big club, but the current duo's performance also isn't getting the job done. There may be an opportunity to, at minimum, get a showcase stint for St. Louis's top prospect goalie as the year continues on. 
By the way, beyond the obvious drafted Kyrou and Robert Thomas, largely now well-known or injured yet to play this year, Scott Pernovich, there isn't another player in the lineup 24 years old or under or a prime age player deserving of a St. Louis draft and developed lesser known successful contributor to put in that spot. Overview, back check of 2022 and forecheck prediction for 2023. St. Louis is a vet group. They were designed to win now, and they're not. It looks like Vancouver, but with an even older age D group that needs to fix its player mix. There is barely a handful of prospects to put soon-to-be prime-aged Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas with, but GM Armstrong's success will be in determining who of the aging vets and prime-age players that push St. Louis to the upper cap should be kept and who needs to move on. A teardown and rebuild is extreme, yet St. Louis desperately needs to find some high draft capital to boost the cupboards. While the free agent and trade route added vets Brandon Sod and Nick Letty, Tory Krug prior, and prime age Pavel Bushnevis, it's almost like a roster full of could-be leaders with everyone accountable only to their own play, not the team's. St. Louis sneaking into the second wildcard spot with a better second half would actually hurt the team's future more than falling out and missing the playoffs well. St. Louis's division had a record 3-4-1. St. Louis returned to play three at home out of the break, Tuesday versus Toronto, then two division games Thursday versus Chicago, Saturday versus Minnesota. Nashville 1-0-1 since our last pod. Sounds good. Nashville's win was over Chicago for perspective. 14-13-5-33 points in 32 games played. 5-16 point percentage. While a point back of St. Louis, Nashville does have two games in hand. And a touch better point percentage while staying sixth in the Central Division. Divisionally, only Chicago has fewer than Nashville's 82 goals for. Nashville's Nino Niederreiter off the rush goal, 37 seconds to the first midpoint open scoring. 1-0 Nashville after 1, 337 left in the middle frame, Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy's point shot off Nashville's Cody Glass in the high slot and in. 37 seconds after Chicago's Mackenzie Entwistle puts it off, Nashville defenseman Jeremy Lazan off the rush pass, Nashville goalie UC Saros. Five seconds left in the second, Nashville's Matt Deshane ties it at 2-all through 40. 127, Nashville's Roman Yossi's pinch and backhander far side shelf. And a Nashville power play goal by Tommy Novak, first of the year in his second game since his call-up. Nashville takes a 4-2 road win in Chicago. Chicago shot Nashville by two shots on goal and Nashville captain Yossi became the all-time points leader with the game-winning goal and an assist. The Nashville win over Chicago was the second time in December Nashville put up four goals in regulation. Nashville's 3-2 overtime home loss to Colorado covered in the Colorado segment. A blowing two-goal lead at home that snagging a single point is due to stellar netminding by Nashville goalie UC Saros who made 43 saves while allowing three goals against. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share what positives we can find for Nashville's sixth spot. Net worth, 
a 2.81 goals against average, 9.14 save percentage, and a climbing goal save above expected, 10.1, eighth best in the NHL, third of starters in the division. Starter UC Saros' record is 11-9-5 with no shutouts. Backup Kevin Lankinen, a 2.64 goals against average, 9.25 save percentage, the best goal save above expected for division backup goalies at 4.9, yet a 3-4-0 record. It's not your fault, I say to the Nashville goalie tandem. It is an indictment of the roster put on the ice in front of the goalies. Cornerstone D requirement, 26 points in 32 games played, 7 goals for Roman Yossi, has the D and captain tied for the team leader in points. It's not in the top 10 for points by defensemen or assists. And at a minus 5 plus minus, skip from page 1 of the defense leaders on the NHL's stats page to page 5. In around 223, 237 are all the NHL D-ranked in that metric that balances to me offensive devalue to defensive and responsibility. Yossi had a Norris nominee campaign last season. This year, he isn't having one. And while, as usual, near leading Nashville in points, he shouldn't even be in the conversation. Red light specialist Nashville doesn't have a point-per-game player. The closest, Yossi, and forward Matt Deshane, also 26 points, with 10 goals. One shy of team leader Nino Niederreiter's 11 goals. Niederreiter, barely over half point-per-game production, deserve this honor less than Deshane, and Deshane's 16 assists is tied for first with Yossi and Philip Forsberg. Niederreiter's goal production ranks with only Chicago's Max Domi as the fewest goals to be leading his team divisionally with. Vet driver at 27, he is prime-aged and technically bit young for this honor, but picking anyone but UC Soros is a disservice to who most impacts Nashville's team positively. Nashville's record is in spite of what is continually looking to be another really good campaign from Soros. Rookie standout at seven points in 18 games played, Yuso Parsonen is Nashville's best option here. He would have to have a lights out second half to even get into the periphery Calder conversation in saying that. His three goals also came in his first three NHL games played. That means he now has also gone 15 games without a goal. Defensive, underappreciated D, while second in points for Nashville D with 10 points. Matthias Ekholm doesn't drive offense, but he is close to a top shutdown defenseman Nashville has had for as long as I can remember that there was a time Shea Weber played for Nashville. Ekholm is a positive plus-minus player at plus two on a team with very few who are, and no one logs more average time on ice except Yossi at 25-25 to Ekholm's 21 minutes 43 seconds per game. Organizational under-the-radar player Tommy Novak, 25 years old, injury replacement call-up, ends up a point-per-game player, three points, three games played, recently only to get sent back down to the minors. He has seven points in 27 games played a year ago. 
That's 10 points over 30 games played. That is five points shy of what I would consider really good fourth line career half point bottom six production. Novak also has two penalty minutes in his NHL career. Novak gets points in limited playing time and stays out of the penalty box. And Nashville is not doing either of those. Cole Smith, by comparison, has six assists over 32 games played this year, and his penalty minutes match his games played at 32. Nashville chooses to play players that contribute to areas they struggle in, the inability to score and in taking too many penalties. Overview, back check of 2022 and forecheck prediction for 2023. Never have I been so sure of a team's underperformance being linked to the coach's lineup decisions as I am now with Nashville, especially this year. Although last year, there were some questionable ones too. It's actually who and where players are slotted in this roster over other organizational player options and combos that potentially could be more successful never tried. Considering there are a decent group of forward prospects under 25, no superstars, but good picks, getting a coach who can play a system that nurtures them, utilizes them before there are more L.A. Tovalins, was needed after Nashville's once without their star backstopper was showing last postseason how far away the rest of the team, most having career years, was a tidy four-game exit and how far away they are after an elite goalie from not having anything close to an elite team or coach who in GM David Poyle's coined competitive rebuild puts far from its best competitive available organizational lineup under Heinz on the ice. Nashville's division head-to-head record 4-4-3. Nashville play home to division-leading rival Dallas Tuesday as they return to action. After Nashville play back-to-back versus Pacific Division teams Anaheim Friday and Vegas Saturday. That's two division leaders with the Pacific Division's worst teams sandwiched in between. Pacific Division comparative bottom pair. Edmonton and Vancouver. Simply Edmonton and Calgary in the Pacific swap in our pairings as they are so close. Edmonton fifth with 38 points and 35 games played outside of the playoffs is a point back at Calgary, but four points ahead of St. Louis who have one game in hand. Nashville, in theory winning all their games in hand, would have the same points as Calgary. Teams all will continue playing. It's not that simplistic to say. In fact, Vancouver's 33 points in 33 games played is point percentage equal to St. Louis, and in only one more game played, Van is equal to Nashville in points. Vancouver is a playoff afterthought already, and that's who St. Louis and Nashville are closely standing-wise hanging with. Ask yourself what Vancouver is looking to do. Ask yourself why St. Louis and Nashville ought not to. The seven and eight division spots aren't any surprise. The team's respective GMs prepared their fan bases for what is often thought of as a throwaway season. The teardown is required, but my argument is, in fact, even that basic step has been done differently by first-time NHL GMs, Arizona's Bill Armstrong, and Chicago's Kyle Davidson. I'm a firm believer in keeping an under-25-year-old player pool to be prime age when the newly drafted class emerge in a rebuild, but also 
It's nice to have a touch of prime age and vet players for team identity and culture carryover, especially when players of that pedigree are still playing for the team. This year's actual game results as one-offs really don't mean much to Arizona or Chicago, most will think. I disagree because a proper rebuild has an evolution to it. It's cyclical in nature. I'd argue the good teams find a way to do it without being bad enough to have to tell their fan bases they actually are doing it. There should be, at all times, foundational pieces in place and building blocks. What's hard with Arizona and Chicago is the draft and development model shifts with the new GMs that occurred going into the rebuilds and what they respectively inherited as a starting point. I think GM Bill Armstrong has been more cognizant of that. So while Arizona has Clayton Keller drafted by the old Arizona management and staff still, GM Kyle Davidson traded away Alex Dabrinkit. They both are NHL top-line caliber players currently that would be on a reasonable rebuild timeline at worst just past prime age vets but they could possibly still be in prime years on a quick turnaround you can get building blocks from bill dear bill watching arizona collect draft capital with cut all ties kyle you lose the stanley cup winning arc to overlap the rebuild with that might make it 40 years between cup wins again potentially the healthy scratch pairing is Arizona and Chicago. We start with Arizona. This pair's goal differential is different than the other pairs because at a minus 30, Arizona is 17 better than Chicago at minus 47. All the other pairings were within plus or minus three of each other. Arizona won its game headed into the break. 11-16, 5, 27 points in 32 games played. 4-22-point percentage, 7th in the division. Arizona improved the above 500 home record to 5-3-2 for the year. All in equal games played. Arizona is 6 points back of Nashville in 6th divisionally and 7 points up of Chicago in 8th. Arizona's Nick Schmaltz on a cross crease pass from Clayton Keller open scoring 15 seconds into the first midpoint on the power play. 1-0 Arizona after 1. 1 minute 54 seconds past the game's midpoint. LA with a power play goal tie it up at 1-all. Through the middle frame after nearly scoring and ringing the iron on the delayed penalty. A scoreless third in OT, Arizona take a 2-1 shootout win. Nick Bukestad goal at home over LA. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share the positives for Arizona's seventh spot. Net worth starter, Corral Vamelka is 10-9-4. Yes, a winning record on a team trying to tank. A 3.09 goals against average, 9-10 save percentage, two shutouts, and is third in the NHL, best in the division with a 17 goals saved above expected mark. And I think the younger backup, Connor Ingram, has tons of upside when you consider his goals against is 4.38 with a 8.75 save percentage and last in the division in goal save above expected at a minus 7.3 with a 1.71 record playing in net for the same team. I'm really sharing it to acknowledge how good Veggie has been than pick on Ingram. Cornerstone D requirement, Jacob Trickern only saw 16 games played once he returned from injury. Make no mistake, if Arizona doesn't trade him, he would be their cornerstone defenseman. Three goals, 13 points, is near point 
per game production and at plus eight plus minus he now leads the Yotes in that category too. Chikrin is looking after both sides of the puck. Sure he is motivated to be traded. He is reminding the NHL why GM Armstrong's asking price is high and fair value. Since his return, Chikrin leads Arizona's time on ice at 22 minutes, 33 seconds, right up with the other cornerstone Ds. Red light specialist Clayton Keller, 12 goals, 31 points in 32 games played, and over 20 minutes average time on ice. Tops of the Arizona forwards. Keller is the closest two-point-per-game production half of the season to this point. Keller was missing linemate Nick Schmaltz to still point produce without with him keller likely gets on the better side of that point per game production vet driver another d shane gossespair the 29 year old rekindled his career in the desert eight goals 24 points and 32 games played is good production and he helped improve arizona's power play especially in chikrin's absence if chikrin is to get traded if ghost doesn't get a quality return arizona should consider keeping his vet presence and average 22 minutes, 3 seconds time on ice play. Rookie standout, out for 6 weeks, lower body injury. 22-year-old, 2019 Arizona pick, Matias Michelli, was called up early in the season and simply stayed with the team. 22 points in 30 games played, including 19 assists. That is equal to a share of the team lead in Arizona with Keller. Defensive underappreciated D, Patrick Nemeth. By the way of a New York Rangers salary dump to Arizona, Nemeth 30 is a bottom pair NHLer these days. Not going to put up the points as his three assists in 27 games played shows. Still, with the exception of Chikrin, Nemeth isn't a minus player at zero. Everyone else is. That's pretty much what you want from a bottom pair defenseman, isn't it? Organizational under-the-radar player, nobody really outside of Arizona watches Arizona, and therefore putting the team leader in goals, Lawson Kraus, who has 13 now, is deserved. Kraus wasn't an Arizona draft pick, but Arizona is the only NHL team he has suited up for as he was included in Arizona acquiring David Bolin in 2016 for draft picks that Florida took that, as far as I know, didn't pan out. Kraus's breakout 20-goal season last year landed him a new 4.3 AAV deal that for a top six NHL is under $5 million, but over third line $3 million value in between the thing is double digit goals for third line value is really great 20 for a top six is expected which kraus met at kraus's pace this year he could score 30 and that makes his contract about a million under value for all that don't watch arizona overpay takes incorrectly and kraus's size entering prime age is the tough to play against gm armstrong prototype player that Kraus absolutely is. Overview, back check of 2022 and check prediction for 2023. Maybe not for the reasons I anticipated, but the Yotes are overall near to where I had them being. In fairness, Goy Vimelka's play, they are probably slightly just a bit better. Factor in Arizona without Chikrin and Nick Schmaltz remain competitively better than Chicago has been. Even if a player or two do end up getting traded, Arizona will still battle and most likely finish 7th in the division. As for the Bedard sweepstakes, Arizona can only hope Chicago, Columbus, and Anaheim actually start playing better, as unlikely as that is. 
Arizona's division head-to-head record 0-2-2. Arizona returns to play at home against division Colorado, then to Toronto on Thursday, and Saturday go on the road to play in Tampa Bay. Chicago won going into the break as well, ending an eight-game losing streak that had one win in between the last eight-game losing streak. Two wins, 16 losses over the last 18, 824, 20 points in 32 games played. 313 point percentage, Chicago is last eighth in the division, seven points back of Arizona in the division. In the same games played, Chicago is last in points and point percentage in the entire NHL. Chicago's Patrick Kane goes short side from the dot on an offensive zone turnover created by Jonathan Taves with 631 left in the first, 231 after former jacket, Chicago's Max Domi, team lead leading 11th goal, a 1T set up by Kane, has Chicago up 2-0 after 1. 2.32 into the second, Chicago's Andre Athanasiu, short side off a neutral zone turnover for a 2-on-1 goal. 53 seconds later off the rush, Chicago's Taylor Radish makes it 4 nothing. 6-12 left in the middle frame, Columbus get their first goal on the power play, 4-1 Chicago through 40. 3-21 into the third, Columbus cut into the lead before Chicago's Jonathan Taves' power play goal, giving him 11 to tie Max Domi for the team lead on Chicago with 7:44 left in the third, and Chicago take a 5-2 home win. Chicago goalie Alex Stalock in his return game from a November 1st injury made 27 saves for the win. Tis the point of the season to look at the reasons and share what positives exist for Chicago's eighth spot. Net worth starter but injured for a stretch. Peter Morazic is 2-8-1 with a 4.23 goals against average and an 8.74 save percentage and ranks 70th in goal save above expected at a dismal minus 11.9. Back up, even more injured Alex Stalock just returned and he has a 2.78 goals against average, 9.17 save percentage and a 1.2 goal save above expected mark and a winning for 2-1 record. Barazic has been the best thing for Chicago's tank. Cornerstone D requirement Seth Jones in 22 games played, one goal, nine points, and a team worse, minus 21 plus minus. Jones is logging a 24-40 average time on ice per game, a full four minutes more than any other Chicago defenseman. Jones isn't really adding to the offense or shutting down the opposition's best. Red light specialist, it's Patrick Kane. If Kaner's teammates can finish off a few more of his sweet sauce passes, Kane might get to point per game production. He still is the closest to it. 25 points, 20 assists in 32 games played. Regardless of the lack of surrounding talent, there isn't much doubt who the best Chicago forward, even at 32 years old, is. Vet driver Jonathan Taves tied for the team lead in goals with 11. Think early in the pot I said it was Max Domi alone, but I've corrected it before the podcast ends. Taves, 20 points in 32 games played, also doesn't have a top six caliber set of line mates, but he definitely has shown to have rebounded from injury that kept him out a full season. His face-off strength and just his winning leadership still shows. Rookie standout goalie Arvid Soderblom, now rightfully back in the American Hockey League, 15 games played in the NHL in injury replacement. His numbers 
win-loss and record we don't need to include because that's not the point. He simply gets my nod whether he has to cover again at some point this year or not, and I really hope for his development it isn't negatively affected by a GM who grabbed two older injury-pwned vet goalies and thought it was adequate to spare Chicago's best prospect from experiencing what he just did and may have two more this season because it isn't half over. Fail, GM Davidson. Thumbs up to Soderblom. Defensive underappreciated D, Jake McCabe, 29-year-old and seven more games played than Seth Jones is equal in point production. However, McCabe has been marketably better in the defensive end and his plus two plus minus reflects it. Not sure McCabe isn't more suitable a second pair D, but at least McCabe is this year making the most of the opportunity in an elevated role. Organizational under-the-radar player Taylor Radish came over in the Brandon Hagel to Tampa trade. Both are 24, so Radish isn't a Chicago draft pick. Of course, if we did limit ourselves to that being a requirement, well, we could just leave this part blank. Radish has 10 goals to Hagel's in Tampa Bay. 12. Hagel has 10 more assists. Still, let's remember Hagel is playing on a better team in Tampa and better line mates. As well, Chicago did get Boris Kachuk in the deal. Point is, Radish is alone under 25 year old probably can play on most NHL teams top nine value player and a rebuild piece actually playing for Chicago at present. That's it. If you ask me who's playing in Chicago of impact, that is around four years into this process. Overview, back check of 2022 and forecheck prediction for 2023. Right to plan on the teardown part and goaltending issues that may have hindered your best goalie prospect negatively additionally. Hardly beside the cup duel vets that should transition the team to the new beginning because if they don't, well, no one will fail moment. This is the beginning in a long might never turn around Chicago rebuild plan that I am certain GM Davidson doesn't see success while he is the GM at the helm of this or see success whenever Chicago gets out of this because he won't still be the GM. Chicago's division head-to-head record 0-8-1. Up next, Chicago plays three on the road Tuesday in Carolina, Thursday in St. Louis against the division rival, and Saturday in Columbus. Pacific Division healthy scratch comparable pair. San Jose and Anaheim. The Pacific Division lowest pairing by point percentage are both below Arizona in point percentage, but both also above Chicago. The Pacific teams have 35 games played, three more than the central teams related to the two bottom dollars in the respective Western Conference divisions. San Jose with 28 points is a point up on Arizona, but with a lower point percentage with those three games. Meanwhile, Anaheim with 22 points is two points ahead of Chicago with a higher point percentage at three 14 that is 0.001 point percentage higher than chicago thanks for listening look for a new division pod in a week or a set of pairings and enjoy the nhl games back in action tonight